Star Wars 7x7 episode 1304. Today, an interview with Nick Martorelli. He is one of the executive producers at Penguin Random House Audio and part of the team that gave us the audiobook for From a Certain Point of View. Punch it, Chewy. Hello, everybody. I'm Greg Proops. You may know me as Fode from The Phantom Menace. And you're listening to Star Wars 7x7, the only daily Star Wars podcast. I love you, Alan. Hey, Rebel Rouser. Welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host, Alan Voivod, and as I mentioned to you yesterday, this interview is going to run a little bit longer than yesterday's interview because this one, I had a weird sensation about the original NPR audio dramas for Star Wars and Empire and Jedi, and turns out Nick is actually a big audio geek and was able to go rather deep on that, and so we're going to get into all of that in a moment, but... I just want to share with you Nick's particulars here from Penguin Random House Audio. It says, Nick Martorelli is an audiobook producer with Penguin Random House Audio, where he is responsible for casting and overseeing production of the Star Wars programs. Some of his recent projects include Battlefront II Inferno Squad, Leia, Princess of Alderaan, and he co-produced the short story collection from a certain point of view, and that's what we're primarily talking about in this episode. Before Nick worked in publishing, Nick was a professional actor in his hometown of Philadelphia. He is a Sherlockian, a Trekkie, and, quote, whatever fans of Superman call themselves. Clearly not super fans, but yeah, that's a really interesting one. (laughs) I'm not sure what it is, but either way, we're going to dive into mostly Star Wars and possibly a little bit of the rest with Nick Martorelli here. And so without further ado, Let's hear from Nick from Penguin Random House Audio. Nick Martorelli, thank you so much for joining me on Star Wars 7x7. How are you today? I am doing well. It is, I'm excited to be here. Excellent. Thank you so much. So we are here to talk about From a Certain Point of View, which is the amazing collection of 40 short stories that were written in honor of Star Wars' 40th anniversary. And you, sir, were a co-producer on the audio recording for this. Is that correct? That is correct. My colleague Aaron Blank and I produced this audiobook together. Got it. So for our listeners who are not familiar with the process of producing an audiobook, can you explain briefly what a producer's role is and how you help bring this project to fruition? Sure. It is our job to read the book and cast it, decide what kind of voice you'd like for the character, and in that process decide whether or not the book's going to be read by a single narrator or multiple narrators or just basically how we're going to approach the experience for the listener. We then hire the actors, we hire directors, and we oversee the whole project, making sure it crosses the finish line in time to get out to the listeners. For something like Star Wars, we also talk, we're in communication with the Lucasfilm people and our staff here at Penguin Random House to sort of get the approvals and move forward and make sure that it's all sort of cohering together. And of course, these books have music and they have sound effects and they have a whole lot more production design than is on a normal book. Got it. So with this one, because of the fact that it was a a special book, if you will, with the 40th anniversary, I mean, is it different in terms of the reading? Like, were you told in advance, hey, we want to get a whole, you know, raft of actors to do the voice recording for this? Or do you actually approach this as just a you know, standard audiobook that you're producing? Well, for this one particularly, we knew it was a big deal. We knew it was a really fun project that we were going to be lucky enough to be a part of. So with the idea that it was going to be 40 short stories... 
the initial conversations were all about, well, we're probably going to need a whole bunch of narrators because you never know how many of them are going to be from a first person point of view or a third person point of view from men, from women, from aliens, from droids. So you have the opportunity to really sort of vary it up for the listener. And if a story is told from Obi-Wan Kenobi's point of view and then another one is told from Princess Leia's point of view, you need to have different people reading them. Right. So we knew we knew going into it that we would have a, a, a full cast of, of people reading it. Our job couldn't really begin until we actually got to read the book, once we knew who we would be looking for. Mm-hmm. And once we got the 40 stories, from there we could leap on the casting and try to figure out who we wanted to bring on board. Got it. So um, I guess that it does beg the question <laughs> from a celebrity standpoint, um, you know, John Hamm, for example, being the big name in the book there, how does one decide we need John Hamm to be one of the narrators for this? So John had recently read another book for us, a lost Mark Twain manuscript. Ah. And the director of the Star Wars projects knows him. So it was a very sort of informal chat between the director and John Hamm where he's like, hey, I got this thing. Do you want to read Boba Fett? And John said, yes. So we were lucky to get him on board very, very early on in the process. That is excellent. So how long would you say this project was in the making? Like from the moment that you actually got a copy of the 40 short stories, like how long does it take you from that first moment to actually finishing the production of the of the project this book we were working on for about two months okay and the er, we had early drafts of the short stories that we could read and start the casting process and then we had to wait for the book to be finished so we'd have a final text to record it from and then we had to deliver it on time so it could get out and get released and get pressed to cd so all told we were working on this for about two months Got it. And for the actual recording, would you say like from the moment the first narrator walked into the studio um, and maybe you measure this differently? Because when I spoke with Aaron about the uh, the force doth awaken, I was really shocked at how quickly you guys are working on these and how how streamlined, I guess, you have the process. But how how long does it take to actually go through all 40 stories getting recorded from, you know, one actor recording at the start to the last? I'm sorry, I'm saying actor. I should say narrator. You've already <laughs> gently said narrator. And so that's well done <laughs> in having that out there. Um, first narrator to last narrator. How long does that take? This Every book is different. Every narrator is going to be a little bit different. But this one probably took about an hour per story, give or take. So you're looking at 40 hours of recording. Got it. Uh, is that quick or is that is that what it's like in the industry in general for how quickly an audiobook can be narrated? It's it, it comes in and out. The Star Wars books are usually a little denser than some other fiction books, but nowhere near as dense as, say, nonfiction books. So it sort of goes back and forth. This particular project, since we had so many narrators, there were a lot of like a half day here or an hour there. So it 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 stretched longer across the calendar than a normal book may. But the reading rate is pretty consistent. All right. And how much editing do you have to do 
with the final text. For example, do you have to go through and take out all the he said, she said, and you know stuff like that, those sort of attributions that ordinarily you wouldn't want to be included in an audiobook narration? No, we generally keep all of those in, or as many as make sense. There are times where when the narrator is doing a conversation between a couple characters and their performance makes it really clear who is speaking at all times mm-hmm. may drop out a couple he says at that point but ordinarily we leave them all in and we try to read the book as accurately to the text as possible star wars is a little different because we understand how these are books are going to be designed through sound and music so we're trying to give a fuller experience so sometimes we will drop out the attributions in order to sort of streamline the performance of the narrator when they're in a conversation. Got it. And so this one is a little bit different, and you've already touched on this a bit by talking about how you were fitting people sort of into an hour here and a day there and that sort of thing. But how is the production of this different from doing it just as a single narrator or a you know full cast of narrators? The biggest thing for this one is because there were so many stories from so many different points of view, we had a chance to really find the right actor for the right story. So we could use a lot of people. We could sort of like really cast a wide net. And we have such a we have such a great ensemble of Star Wars narrators that we use for all of the other books. This was going to be a fun opportunity to say, well, you know, Mark and Mark Thompson and Jonathan Davis are terrific. So let's give them things to show off. Let's get January Lavoie in there and really give her something that she can dig into and really shine. But let's also go get uh, Ashley Eckstein, who's read for us before, and Janina Gavankar, who just read Battlefront. So let's sort of meld them all together and, and have them all work in a single project. That was a lot of fun, but it was also a challenge because we had so many moving pieces we needed to coordinate all together. Right. And I love the fact that this wasn't a project where you said, oh, it's a special 40th anniversary project. Let's get, you know, names that, you know, everybody on the street has heard of and not have the, you know, the people that Star Wars fans know and love involved. So I'm thrilled, of course, that Mark and Jonathan in January were involved in this as well. And Janina being brought back. So, you know, it wasn't just a, a one-time thing with her doing Battlefront 2. Like, that really um, excited me when I got to see that, okay, it's, you know, it is all the people that we love and it's, you know, further enhanced by bringing on some additional uh, exciting names too. And that was that was always part of the initial conversations because you know a lot of times we we started we started working on the book and we had that things like oh we could get this guy we could get that girl we could we could get all these cool narrators and then we were like no wait we Jonathan Davis does an incredible Obi Wan Kenobi January Lavoie is terrific so let's give them really good stuff to work on as well mm-hmm. yeah definitely so that being said I'm. I don't want to ask you to play favorites, but I'm going to ask you to play favorites in a way. Uh, can you tell me uh, from the recording sessions, you know, which two or three of them were particularly enjoyable or, or funny or otherwise remarkable? Well, without playing favorites, of course, <laughs> it is always a hoot to listen to Mark Thompson talk to himself. <laughs> okay. Absolutely always a hoot, especially when he's doing impressions of the characters that you know from the franchise mm-hmm. 
and it's absolutely incredible all the time. Um, he does the voice of Long Snoot in the Horn Cantina caper. Mm-hmm. That, since it's narrated by him, he is doing the entire story in that voice, which was an incredible thing to sort of witness. Um, and it's it's really cool to sort of have that moment where they are in the room and they're narrators and they're talking to you, and then suddenly it's C-3PO who's talking. Or Mark read the Yoda story, and he's talking, he's narrating, he's telling the story, and then suddenly Yoda is there as well. And then it's back to Mark, who's telling the rest of the story. And it, just sort of being in the room with these guys doing those voices is, is pretty amazing. And when you're saying he's talking to himself, like this, <laughs> you, that you get to listen to him talking to himself... In my mind, I'm picturing him between takes if he had you know, misread something or read it in a way that he didn't necessarily like or he wanted another shot at it or the director said, hey, can you try it this way instead? Is he talking to himself like Yoda or like Long Snoot? Like, okay, we've got to do this a certain way. Come on, you got to get this. Like, is he staying in character? Is it a method actor sort of thing? Um, no, Mark, Mark bounces back and forth more than he stays in. He is really good about having reference for the voices that he does. So it's very much a, he'll bounce into the character and then bounce back to himself, but then bounce right back into the character. So when I say talking to himself, it's it's that idea of Han Solo and C-3PO are having a conversation, but it's just one guy doing all the voices. Right, okay. <laughs> Got as it. Opposed to, as opposed to, say, you know... Uh, Jonathan muttering to himself as someone. No, no, these guys bounce back and forth really, really well. Yeah. I, <laughs> still, the idea is rather amusing. And Jonathan, like, <laughs> muttering to himself in uh, in Palpatine's voice under his breath. <laughs> I mean, which one, who of us hasn't done that? I mean, right? So. <laughs> That's very true. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I'm, I'm certain these uh, gentlemen and uh, ladies as well uh, have all been at some point in you know encountered Star Wars fans on the street saying like oh your Palpatine is great or your Leia is great I can do Leia too <laughs> <laughs> I used to think I could do impressions before I met Mark and now I don't even want to try oh no <laughs> you're not even asking him for pointers like oh I'd like to get this one particular guy oh no that's part of the that's part of the joy of my job now because I get to say oh I need somebody who can do a really good X oh, let me hire somebody who can do a really good X. And that's like finding that person and, and like getting a really good Tarkin is amazing because mm-hmm. you can hear them and they're, and they just nail it. I just get every sort of subtle nuance that Peter Cushing had in his voice when he was playing the role. And it's just incredible to listen to. Uh, do you have a, a history of, of Star Wars audio, like going all the way back to say, you know, the, the NPR radio dramas by chance? Uh, when you say history, what do you mean? I mean, as far as having listened to audio recordings of other people doing the the voices of characters. So it just it just occurred to me in the moment as you were talking about this that you know we've really had a very long and storied history of Star Wars in audio form and of other actors, not just the the ones we're familiar with on the screen, but other actors doing the voices of these beloved characters. I was just wondering what your experience was of other narrators doing Star Wars voices. And obviously radio dramas are a different animal from yeah. doing audiobooks as well, but I was just 
curious as to you know what your experience has been with um, with audio narration on Star Wars overall. I am a huge fan of radio drama and the Star Wars ones in particular. I think they are exceptional. I think that from top down, I think Brian Daly's scripts are amazing for those. I think the performances are fantastic. And I listened to them so much when I was a kid, particularly the A New Hope one, that I now am often confused about which scenes are in the movie and which scenes are not in the movie. <laughs> radio drama so intimately that I'm like, oh, yeah, remember that scene? And people say, that's not in the movie. Like, well, mm-hmm. I know it from somewhere. Um, <laughs> and th- those actors, I think, are also – I mean, you've got Mark Hamill. You've got Anthony Daniels. You've got Billy Dee Williams. But then you've got other – you've got Perry King as Han Solo, and Sachs, Brock Peters as Leia and Vader. And they all do what I think is an amazing thing because they all play the same character without necessarily doing vocal impressions of the movie actors. Yeah. It, to the point where it's like Perry King, it, to me, is just as much Han Solo as Harrison Ford is. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. his performance is so rich and so – specific while being similar it's not the same and it's it's an, it, there it's an amazing it's an amazing project that that they did for those um and i think it's just i think they're incredible and john lithgow is yoda too as i recall yep john lithgow is yoda um ed asner is jabba the hut in return of the <laughs> yeah that's right um and i i also talking about tarkin i love keen curtis who plays governor tarkin in the first one Mm-hmm. And it's that same sort of, and Bernard Behrens who plays Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's a very similar feeling of performance without necessarily doing an Alec Guinness impression. And it's, I, th- I think they're amazing. See, I had a sensation that, that, you, <laughs> I mean, you just opened up, you know, like the second and third level casting on the radio drama. I, <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> Very cool. And so I, I, I listen to these constantly yeah. when I was younger. Does this inform your work on a present day basis as well? Like, are you thinking about this? I mean, you're not necessarily directing the performances, but you're in the room for the for the narration as it's happening, correct? Uh, occasionally, uh, Aaron and I will pop into sessions now and then. We'll keep keep an eye on things. Kevin, the director, is the one who is overall responsible for the day-to-day sessions themselves. Um, Just because we have other books that we're working on, we have other responsibilities, so we can't be at every recording session. And some of these were also recorded, some of these particularly for this book were recorded in LA, so we're Skyping in to our studios out there, and etc. So we're not there for everything, but we're there for some of it. Got it. Uh, it's not something where you get to say, oh, it's Star Wars. Hmm, I think I have a 15-minute break coming up about now. <laughs> um, it is that. It is exactly that. Oh, 15-minute break. I'm definitely going to go hang out for the afternoon. But as we were talking, like these, <laughs> books could, these books take weeks to record. So it's like I can't take a week off just to go hang out and listen to, mm-hmm. listen to Star Wars as much as I would love to. <laughs> well, you certainly at least get the, the product after the fact. So that's something for yes. sure. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, you were talking about older versions of the books. I also listened to the Thrawn trilogy on the abridged audiobooks that came out back when the books came out. Okay. So that was uh, Dennis Lawson and Anthony Daniels reading them. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. 
like this goes way back and uh I, I think lawson did the first one and daniels did the next two okay but it's it, it's sort of like the early days of star wars audio because it's i mean the thrawn books are the early days of star wars books in right. many ways yeah it's it's them doing the voices and do, doing the bridgments of these things so they are the first voices of people like mara jade and talon card and grand admiral thrawn yeah, and now, oh gosh, and we listened to the Thrawn book. Was it Mark Thompson that did Thrawn? Yes, Mark yes. did. That's right, yeah. And he did a spectacular job with that, too. It's really interesting to hear. Are, do you watch Star Wars Rebels? I have seen some of the first season or so, but I don't watch. I'm, I'm not current on it, so I haven't seen Thrawn in that yet. Yeah, to hear um, to hear concurrently or, or contemporaneously, I think concurrently I'll stick with, um, <laughs> to hear... Lars Mikkelsen doing Thrawn in Rebels and to hear Mark Thompson doing Thrawn in the in the new book that came out that what is really a fascinating experience to hear the two different takes and it is very much like you you said about listening to the performances for the radio drama and how you know Perry King's performance for example is you know so deep and so rich and it stands on its own and he's just as much on solo I feel the same way about Lars and about Mark in doing their characterizations of Thrawn a lot of this also just comes down to the writing where it's that that sense where it's like you have these great books to work with and you have these characters to make and you wouldn't want it to be a impression of something else because that would that could limit a performer in how they are creating their own character because they have to create it themselves to find their own truth so you want to sort of like sprinkle in the flavor of it without it being like a party impression you want it to sort of be a embodiment of the performance as opposed to a strict impression of someone else giving the role right and that reminds me of a of i heard frank oz as a guest on wait wait don't tell me and they asked him to do yoda and he said i don't do yoda he's just he doesn't do it as a as an impression that he does as a one-off like just do yoda on you know whatever interview i'm doing like it's it is a full performance and he treats it with a, a reverence and a sanctity that doesn't it doesn't lend itself to being a you know a party trick on an interview or anything like that and it's something too where it's like these books like these act these narrators are all working with the text so they're working with the characters the way that these characters have been written and i think that's some of the most extraordinary stuff about this collection too where you're getting to these moments of Qui-Gon Jinn showing up to talk to Obi-Wan Kenobi and Qui-Gon's dialogue sounds like Qui-Gon and then Jonathan Davis does his Liam Neeson Qui-Gon performance and it really feels like the character come back to life that you know him doing his Qui-Gon voice reading your phone message may not be as evocative (laughs) but he's got he's got terrific material to work with and it's a credit too to the the writers as well because you've got you know, a, a wide range of writers. I mean, if you're you know, talking about the the TV series, you know, Qui Gon Jinn appeared in the Clone Wars, but he's written by you know a host of writers, like you know maybe one or two writers that are primary, but a writer's room that's touching everything. Versus, say, you know, coming to a collection like this where it's one person who's written that particular story. And that was Claudia Gray's piece, I believe, the Master and Apprentice one. And uh, 
you know, and Claudia Gray also, you know, being able to continue in the tradition of having that, you know, the voice of the character and for it to be as consistent across different storytellers, too, is a, a remarkable thing. Yes, I agree. It's and it's incredible the work some of these and and you have stories like that and then you have stories in this collection where we are meeting entirely new characters or or f- not entirely new but characters for the first time that are drawn at just as cleanly and just as clearly. I think that's always cool too. So speaking of those characters, thinking back on the recording sessions or at least the you know having listened to the the recordings afterward, are there any particular stories that change the way you look at the original movie or the characters that were you know, involved in it? And I guess it doesn't necessarily have to rely on the performances of the narrators because you also have read the text as well. But is there anything that jumps out at you that really kind of changed the way you looked at Star Wars? Well, I'll tell you, I am a sucker for pilots and Jedis. Uh, uh, so the Master and Apprentice that we've already talked about and Time of Death by Kevin Scott the one that is Obi-Wan Kenobi reliving his life just before Vader cuts him down. Mm -hmm. It was such an interesting perspective. We're in this cool moment of Star Wars where we are revisiting the classic trilogy with the knowledge of the prequels. So you have this moment where Qui-Gon Jinn comes to Obi-Wan Kenobi on Tatooine and it colors and it just sort of fills in a little bit of the original film. And the same thing with uh, with Time of Death, where Obi-Wan is facing off against Darth Vader, but he is remembering all of the stuff that he did with Anakin, and he's recognizing this, and we now can bring that in as a little bit of subtext and shading to their encounter. And there's a line in that story where Obi-Wan talks about, uh, where he says, um, only a master of evil, Darth. And in the text, it says, I can't bring myself to say his real name. Ah. such a great little moment of oh yeah no of course like why else would he call him Darth Vader why wouldn't he call him Anakin but even Obi-Wan Kenobi can't bring himself to do it because it would stick in his mouth and it's just this wonderful moment where we're allowing the prequel era to shade in and fill in our understanding of the original trilogy and I'd like to like that's a fantastic point to consider because of course there are you know fans who debate on you know why did he call him Darth that's so unusual this that and the other and as I was starting to read some of the stories in the book one of the things that occurred to me is that you know it's almost like retconning in a sense in that oh now you're explaining away some of these things that people have wondered about all the time but as I've gone through the stories I've really lost that idea and it doesn't feel like retconning it really has given me a greater appreciation for the original movie overall somehow yeah. like just that it was as deep and rich as it was and as you mentioned about the the prequel era stuff coming in and being able to shade and and give additional color and subtext to things I'm actually gaining an appreciation for the prequels as a result as well and that's not to say that I didn't appreciate them whatsoever or anything like that I am more of a classic trilogy guy than a prequel trilogy guy but if the Phantom Menace shows up on TV and I'm flipping through channels. <laughs> I will stop and watch The Phantom Menace because, you know, it's Star Wars. It's like pizza, you know, even bad pizza is still pizza, right? Yep. Oh, I'm with you there. Yeah. So um, that is really uh, excellent to hear. And um, 
I would love to know, like, if you're allowed to say, like, you know, what other you know, Star Wars projects are you getting to work on right now? I know that there's a, a Thrawn Alliances book coming out next year. I don't know if the, the text of that is ready yet, but um, I assume that's something that you guys are going to be working on. Uh, I can absolutely confirm that there is a Thrawn Alliances book coming out next year. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can also say that I just had the opportunity to work with uh, January Lavoie on Legends of Luke Skywalker. Ah, yes. It's part of the run-up to The Last Jedi, and I really liked the approach that it took to the the universe, that that these figures that we know very well, Luke and Leia and Han, aren't necessarily people that everyone in the galaxy knows. And I thought this was something Force Awakens sort of did very well, too, the idea that Luke and Han and the Rebellion are legends are figures of fantasy and myth so that book was really it was a lot of different perspectives of luke skywalker and sort of like the tales of luke and the things that people have heard about this man that no one has met and i thought that was a really cool approach to take to tell stories in this galaxy and definitely one that's going to have people (laughs) dissecting things so deeply and tearing their hair out over what's true and what's not because that's one of the really fascinating things about the canon right now is that when they rebooted the canon in 2014 and said okay all that other stuff is legends it doesn't really count now they're starting over again and on the one hand they eventually are going to run into the same problem of having to keep track of everything and make sure that there aren't things that conflict with other things but by doing something like this, the Legends of Luke Skywalker, they're giving themselves latitude to be able to have a canon that is, okay, this is the gospel truth of what happens in the Star Wars universe, but also to have it be loose and give people the opportunity to say, well, from a certain point of view, maybe that's the case, but it doesn't, it can still exist in quote unquote canon even if stories are different about things or exaggerated or just patently false. The idea that there are canonical tall tales, there are canonical legends, there are canonical stories that may, they're canonical old wives tales about Ben Kenobi. Mm-hmm. That's, I think that's, I think that would be an interesting one. Like the perspective of the other people on Tatooine about that weird wizard who lives in the hills. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, it's another one for whom there are, tall tales and and he'll live on in uh and and um john jackson miller sort of explores this in his book and in his short story in this collection that idea of like well who is this man who who what do other people think this man is we know who he is but who do other people who don't know what the jedi are think this guy in the cloak is yeah the tuscan raider one um that he wrote writes that was a I, I that was one where I went into it and I said on the podcast as I as I talked about it that like knowing it was Tuscan Raiders I was like eh like I wasn't necessarily excited gung ho going into the story but by the end of it I was completely converted this is really awesome and well done <laughs> one of the other ones in this one that I really like the approach of and I think again this is the fun period of Star Wars that we are in is duty roster mm-hmm Okay. story about fake wedge <laughs> and to you know it's a joke about the movie that there is this wedge and then there's fake wedge but the, who is this guy and then to actually sort of say no 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 this is a joke that we've told for 40 years now 
there's a story in this joke. Let's actually make this part of the story and figure out how it works. And this is exactly what we were, this is what we were talking about with the prequels informing the original trilogy. Now we're actually letting the jokes inform the content that there's this really cool move of saying, no, it is all true. It's not fake wedge, but they called him that in the world. He's canonically now fake wedge (laughs) in a way that he's been fake wedge to fans for decades. And I think that's also a really fun way we're going with Star Wars. I think that's a lot of I think that's a lot of fun, especially people who've been in it since the radio dramas, since the Thrawn original trilogy. Right. And so if we're lucky enough in three years to get a similar situation for the Empire Strikes Back, I hope we get the story of the guy running through the uh, Bespin evacuation with the ice cream maker and we find out it really is an ice cream maker. That would be amazing. You are exactly (laughs) right. That would be amazing. (laughs) All right. Well, Nick, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day to talk with me and uh, to share all these wonderful details about the recording of From a Certain Point of View with our listeners. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. It was a blast. Hey, Rebel Rouser. If you haven't done so already, please consider leaving a review for Star Wars 7x7 on your favorite podcast app. Not just a star rating, although I will say we are personally very proud of our near-unanimous five-star rating on iTunes. No, I just mean a thoughtful sentence or two about what you like about the podcast, or how happy you are that it's part of your daily routine. And more reviews means better visibility, which means more people get to share in a daily dose of Star Wars joy, and you want that, don't you? Of course you do. So please leave a review on your favorite podcast app today. I thank you, and the Star Wars 7x7 podcast thanks you. Welcome back. So one last note from the corrections department here. In the interview, Nick says that John Hamm previously read a lost manuscript by Mark Twain for Penguin Random House Audio, and it was actually a lost manuscript by Walt Whitman called Life and Adventures of Jack Engel. So just wanted to make sure we cleared that one up. I hope you enjoyed the conversation between me and Nick, and hopefully there will be more in the future. In the meantime, I'm going to call it a podcast for today. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you fall in love with a queen in disguise, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And if the show's been worth your time, please support us at patreon.com SW7X7. It's not a deep space angel, it's destiny unleashed. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2018, Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it!